Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello and welcome to Vulgar History. My name is Anne Foster and this is a pandemic super special episode, which is like a mini episode where I'm just kind of telling some stories about people in other times and eras who were faced with other sorts of pandemic type events and the weird things that happened to them. That's what this is. So today, so you know, content warning, pandemics, um, if you don't want to hear about that then you might want to skip to a different episode of this podcast. That being said, this week's pandemic is sort of an influenza pandemic, but I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty of the symptoms that this person suffered. It's more just the circumstances of how he died and how it's just like, it's a pretty goofy story. I think even if you're like sensitive to medical type things, you, I don't think you should be bothered, but you know, content warning, I will be mentioning influenza and someone dying of it in this podcast. So cast your minds back to 16th century France. Oh, and I'm going to mention as well, my sources for this story are a book called Francis I, The Maker of Modern France by Leonie Frida, and also Wikipedia. And I also got a bit of content from, from a book called The Rival Queens by Nancy Goldstone. So The Rival Queens is a story about uh, Catherine de' Medici, her daughter Marguerite de Valois, and the betrayal that ignited a kingdom. And it really super quickly passes over this weird story I'm going to tell you. But for some context for me, it was helpful just to kind of remember because I study, not even study, I just research um, women in history. So when it's like a bunch of men, I need to like orient myself by seeing like what women were around when. And that's going to be how I'm going to explain part of this to you as well. But that's a really great book. It's a really great book. Uh, The Rival Queens by Nancy Goldstone. Super recommend. Anyway, um, and Wikipedia. Did I mention that? There's some details that I found there that were not in either book. So what we're dealing with here is France, 16th century. So the king is Francis I. His wife is named Claude of France. And we're living in a a patriarchal, um, primogeniture type situation. So he, the whole succession planning for him is it's going to go to his oldest son and then if god forbid something happens to the oldest son then it goes to the second son and then god forbid then it goes to the third son even though there are some sisters in here as well so the oldest son it's sort of this is sort of the story of three brothers one of whom is just exercises poor judgment that's what this story is so the oldest son is named francis and so he was born uh, February 28th, 1518. So Francis, the king, so his son, Francis Jr. So the king said of his son at birth, he is a beautiful dauphin. And dauphin is the word for French people in France for uh, the heir to the throne. Like in England, it's like the Prince of Wales scenario. So Francis said of his son, also called Francis, he is a beautiful dauphin who is the most beautiful and strong child one can imagine and who will be the easiest to bring up. Uh, Baby Francis's mother, Claude, said, tell the king that this child is even more beautiful than himself. So Francis, the oldest son, gorgeous. Um, Leonardo da Vinci was around at this time. He decorated, designed the decorations for the christening of the Dauphin. 
And so one of the, so I mean, spoiler, Francis Jr. is not going to live a long life. It's not plague related. Um, It's weirder than that. So uh, just to also orient everybody, if you're coming to, to learn about this history, like I did via the late and lamented and wonderful CW show Rain, which I think would be great binge watching for if you're self-isolating at home right now, because it's a bonkers show and every episode is great. Anyway, so the king in that at the beginning is King Henry, who is actually the second of these three brothers. So that's those characters are going to be tangentially involved in this story as well. So um, Henry was born one year later, almost exactly one year later than Francis. So Francis is the older brother. Henry is the second brother. He was born March 31st, 1519. And which, frankly, just based on the birth dates of these brothers, uh, you can sort of see the fertility cycle of, of Claude of France. They're all born in between January, February, and March, successive years. Anyway, so there's two brothers. There's Francis and there's Henry. They're one year apart from each other. So, and they, as children, um, were sent to Spain to be hostages. So what happened is that their father was badly defeated and captured in 1525 in a battle in Spain and became a prisoner of Charles V, who was the Holy Roman Emperor at the time. In order to ensure his release, the king signed the Treaty of Madrid, but to ensure that the king abided by the treaty, Charles demanded, he said, like, okay, I'll let you go, but I'm going to have to do, like, a prisoner exchange. So the king was allowed to go back to France, but in exchange... Uh, Charles demanded that the king's two older sons take his place as hostages. So like a little switcheroo. So they were keeping keeping the children there to ensure that Francis would be true to his word. I guess implicit in that is like, or else we'll kill your sons, I guess. So this happened in 1526. By then, so it's his two oldest sons. You'd be like, oh my God, why, you know, who's going to inherit if something happens to them in prison in Spain? But don't worry, because there's a third son who was Charles, who was born on January 22nd, 1522. So Henry and Francis are, let me just do some quick brain math. Uh, they're eight and six years old, while Charles is like four. So the two older sons were sent over. So this exchange took place between Spain and France. And what happened is that, um, so the whole point of this treaty was that it was, or this taking the sons as hostages was to make sure that the king would still abide by the treaty to like not attack Spain, etc. But um, the king almost immediately went against the treaty. Um, so that angered Charles, obviously, Char- not Charles, the son, Charles, the Holy Roman Emperor. And so the eight year old Dauphin and his younger brother spent the next three years as captives of Charles V, a period that, according to Wikipedia, scarred them for life. Uh as well you might think it would so it's not like in some of these other stories where it's like um, royal people were sent to prison and but it was actually just sort of like a castle and they could just sort of hang out and whatever like they were like literally kept in isolation um, treated ex- like increasingly badly because they were there to make so their father would not attack Spain but the father kept attacking Spain so the two boys were treated worse and worse so um, so after this um, apparently the Dauphin, Francis, the older brother, he became, um, he was very serious. Um, he was known to keep to himself and he preferred to dress in black uh, like the Spanish did. So that was maybe based on having spent those years there. He also became bookish, preferring reading to being a soldier. So, and then also Henry came back and apparently he was like not 
super social or friendly. He was like prone to fits of rage, sort of like Harry Potter in those middle books of the Harry Potter series. And apparently um, the king was like, what? What is with these sons? Like, especially Henry. He found it really off putting. Like, why is this boy so upset all the time? Like, yes. So he was sent off to live in isolation in jail and not be fed or treated well for three years. But like, he's back now. It's like, what's what's the deal? So he wasn't super impressed by that. And so because of this, so Francis and Henry came back, changed, and the king sort of came to prefer his youngest son, Charles, who was not, did not spend time in a dungeon and was much more pleasant, which makes lots of psychological sense. So the Dauphin, Francis, the whole thing was like, who's he going to marry because he's going to be the next king, etc. Um, Henry was married off to an Italian woman named Catherine de' Medici, who I am... 10,000% going to do a podcast about later on. And they were trying to figure out who are they going to marry the oldest son, Francis, too, because Catherine de' Medici was sort of like not a great match at the time because she, like, it was sort of like France and Italy got along, but then they didn't. And so it's kind of like, mm, it's not the best marriage. Like, they sort of got Henry to marry Catherine de' Medici because they just, like, didn't care about him very much and wanted to marry him to whoever. Anyway, so the Dauphin. Francis was briefly engaged to Mary, who later became Mary the first, Henry the Eighth's daughter. This was when he was an infant. They were briefly engaged, but then this didn't work out. Um, but anyway, what happened after all of this? So Francis the Dauphin was just like whatever, being a serious guy who liked to wear black, um, dealing with some untreated PTSD type issues, and then one day he died. Um, he died at the age of 18 on August 10th, 1536. Um, some people believe he was poisoned just because the circumstances of his death were just like weird. Um, although it was probably tuberculosis, partially because he had never fully recovered his health from the years spent in the um, damp cells in prison where he spent three formative years of his childhood. So what happened is that he, Francis, was playing tennis um, and then he asked for a cup of water, and his private secretary, Count Montecuccioli, brought him a cup of water. He drank the water and then collapsed and then died several days later. So there were some thoughts that, like, did Montecuccioli, did he, like, poison him? Was the water poison? Like, already everybody was like, ooh, Catherine de' Medici is on the scene. Like, is she... She became known for being a fan of poison, but also Italian people were just sort of assumed to be always poisoning everybody all the time. So it's sort of like, did he, did she do this because she wanted her husband Henry to be king instead of Francis? Um, apparently they found a book about poisons in her room, but that's just like her hobby. Anyway, under torture, Montecuccioli confessed to having poisoned Francis, even though he almost definitely died of tuberculosis. Like the whole thing where it's like he asked for a cup of water after playing tennis and then collapse. It's like, well, he probably felt badly. That's why he asked for the water. So it's not like the water made him collapse. That's my, that's my CSI type evaluation. Um, so, so his death was a catastrophic blow to everybody because the king was obviously devastated to lose his oldest son, who you remember he thought was so attractive, even though he became serious and liked to read books. You know, the king was upset. That's his oldest son. Like it's, it's his son. Um, but also there's like the whole king heir to the throne reason. So Francis prayed after his son died. Um, God, you have afflicted me by humiliating my kingdom and my army. Now you've taken away my son. What else remains save to destroy me utterly? 
when it shall please you to do so, at least warn me that it is your will, so I do not rebel. Um, anyway, so he, they had the secretary, the secretary was blamed for it, etc. Um, so he was subjected to length, the secretary, Monticuccioli, so lengthy, horrendous tortures, and then he eventually confessed, like people confessed to lots of things after they've been horribly tortured. Um, and he claimed that he had planned to murder the king, that he had done this um, for the Holy Roman Emperor as revenge. He later withdrew his confession, um, but he wanted to die with his conscience, conscience intact. Like he didn't want to die with this, these lies on the punishment. Um, he was um, executed pretty horribly. Um... And that's just sort of like setting the stage for what's happening because this is a pandemic special episode. There's going to be some, the whole point of the story I'm telling you today has to do with plague. So hang tight. So one of the other consequences of Francis Jr. dying is that Henry, who was the Duke of Orleans, became the heir to the throne. And the thing is that his father did not like him. Um, He didn't like how he was so serious, had these like temper tantrums. Um, Again, uh, the fact that he was... The father didn't rescue him from being in jail for three years of basically being isolated with no one to talk to except for his brother. Like, when the boys came back, they didn't even speak French anymore. I think they only spoke Spanish because that's how their captors spoke to them. So he was, like, damaged from that. Um, and he also didn't have the the book here, um, the biography of Francis I mentions that Henry lacked even the little charm his brother had possessed. Tall, dark, and repressed, it was said he never laughed and seldom spoke. Um, his mistress was the only person whom he regarded with anything approaching affection and his father regarded him as a disappointment. So you remember there's the youngest son, Charles, was now second in line to the throne and the king just liked him so much better. And the whole, I mean, this is largely, I think, because Charles was like not psychologically affected because he had not been trapped in jail in Spain for three years. So Charles was apparently the most handsome of the three sons, even though he had gone blind in one eye from smallpox. uh, Apparently that was not noticeable, or if it was, it just made him look even more handsome. He was known for his wild antics, his practical jokes, his extravagance and frivolousness, which his father approved of wholeheartedly. So if you think about the king as a sort of guy who's just like, you know who my favorite son is? The jokester over there. Like, of course he's not going to like Henry, who's just like brooding all over the place. Like, Kylo Ren sort of person. Uh, Charles's wild antics include he once jumped up behind the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire, like literally the person who had imprisoned his brothers for years, slash his father's sworn enemy. um, And Charles shouted, you are my prisoner. Apparently Charles V spurred his horse into a frantic gallop without once looking behind him. Um, So he's just like a little goofball, but slash also kind of um, chaotic, shall we say. So there were um, Henry and Charles did not get along with each other very much. Um, This was partially because Henry could tell that everybody liked Charles better because Charles was a jokester and friendly and more handsome and not like brooding all the time. And also his father liked Charles better. So it was widely believed that everybody wanted Charles to be the Dauphin instead of Henry. And 1542, Francis the King and Charles V, his longtime nemesis, again went to war against each other. Charles fought and captured Luxembourg. Um, Henry was leading some commands as well. Luxembourg was lost and retaken several times. And I'm just going to kind of like 
some behind the scenes stuff happened basically um, as a result of some further treaties was that um, so they were deciding on who who Charles would marry and as so this is part of the treaty uh, between the king and the Holy Roman Emperor was like okay one of the terms of this was that Charles the goofball youngest son was going to marry a relative of the emperor to sort of like form an alliance between the two places so they would stop being at war with each other and that sort of stuff and so as the groom's father the king was expected by the treaty to endow his son with some certain territories but this deeply offended uh henry and catherine de medici because so the treaty and i think this is sort of like charles the roman emperor just sort of like dicking around he just put a thing in the treaty being like you know i want your son charles to marry one of my relatives and also want you to give charles all these titles and lands because he knew that that would annoy henry because henry was not good at he had no poker face um so what would happen anyways the whole thing like the marriage treaty was just sort of like good news for charles bad news for henry can you hear my cat purring she's just here to help there's not cats in this story hepburn but maybe one day i'll do a story with cats in it so i'm just gonna like pivot over to to reading some more from this francis the first biography so do 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 so henry was really mad about all of this francis the king had never made any secret of the preference he felt for his younger son, and Henry believed with some justification that the last years of his father's reign had seen him increasingly sidelined. He was also aware from whisperings at court that once the king died, Henry might potentially find himself facing um, an imperial slash Orleanist alliance. So he basically, there was the fear that Charles uh, would, because of this marriage, he would ally with the Holy Roman Empire, and then they could maybe try and take down henry so france was just beginning to unite as a country after long 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 periods of factionalism and this had the potential to revive a dangerous and divisive situation so henry in december 1544 took the unusual step of making a formal complaint saying like this treaty is not fair um he said that he didn't like this he didn't like how it was um gonna maybe make charles be more powerful than him blah 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 so, like, it's documented that Henry was upset about all this. He was jealous about all of this. But then, so the the rivalry between the two brothers was potentially dangerous, could potentially derail, like, everything that Francis had worked a really long time to get going in France. But then, and this is where we get to the pandemic of it all. So, in the autumn of 1545, Charles and Henry together um, were on their way to Bologna, which was under siege. On September the 6th, they came across a cluster of houses that had been emptied and sealed off from the, at the time they called it the plague, but it was probably a form of influenza. Like it wasn't, people weren't getting the like pustules. It wasn't like a bubonic situation. It was more just like very contagious influenza type thing. So they came across this area. If you listen to the last pandemic, super special, you'll recall that Joan of England and her entourage came up to a city that was all, and the the people in the city were like leave like don't even come into this city like every, there's plague here everyone's sick just like don't come by so even in a pre-germ theory science world people knew like if there was plague around it's like you just you steer clear like this is just like common knowledge so henry and charles came across across a cluster of houses that had been emptied and sealed off from the plague aka influenza and then charles said um quote no son of a king of France ever died of plague. And then he entered into the houses um, laughing 
he slashed at bedding with his sword and started a pillow fight with some of his traveling companions. He also allegedly laid down on one of the infected beds and rolled around on the bedding. So he's just like scampering through these like houses where everybody had died of influenza that had been like shuttered off because of like the gruesome death. And he was just like, LOL. So just like, I'm just picturing him like jumping bed to bed, like pillow fighting, like pillow fighting. Um, rolling around on these mattresses because he thought that because he was the son of the king of France that he couldn't get sick. And guess what? Um, Later that evening, after dining with his father and brother, he took suddenly ill. What? Who saw that coming? He was suffering from pain, a high fever, vomiting, and shaking limbs. Henry rushed to to be with him, but everybody kept him out of the room because they're like, oh shit, like we've lost, like if he's going to die too, like we need Henry to not die because otherwise there's going to be no sons to inherit all of France. But I think it's nice. It seems nice that Henry wanted to go and be with his brother because even though they were rivals and stuff, he's just like, well, I don't want him to literally die. Uh, But die, he did. Um, Charles died on September 9th, 1545. So he was aged 23. Some people thought he was poisoned because again, Catherine de' Medici is around. She's Italian and she likes to read about poisons. But I mean, some people thought he was poisoned because some people think everybody is poisoned. But he was seen. Like he did this thing everybody saw where he was just like ran inside of these houses where people had been dying of influenza, rolled around on the mattresses, like had pillow fights. Um, and so he's buried next to his father and his brother is where he was buried. Francis died later. Henry became the king, Catherine de Medici became the queen, and a whole lot of other stuff happens. We'll talk about that on some other podcasts, but not on this podcast, because this podcast is just a super special to tell you the story of Charles II of Valois and how he died of a deadly influenza-tinged pillow fight. So I think the moral of that story is to not go into places that are infected with highly contagious diseases and have pillow fights in those places. So that's my advice for you today, really. And I hope you enjoyed that story. And there'll be more regular podcast episodes coming out soon. And um, take care. Be well. Talk to you later. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.